The title of the message is The Gift of Trials. <sighs> Gift of Trials. Anyone been through a trial lately? Huh? Anyone uh, been through a challenging season? And the last thing we think of this, right, is a gift, right? But we're going to see today just from, from, from Scripture, I'm going to share a bit of our journey, um, <clears throat> share, share what, what does actually Scripture say about a trial, and then I'm going to give four, four kind of points or thoughts on when we're in the trial, what do we need to press into that we can actually really benefit from this? Because God always wants us to benefit, Right? He's always got to upgrade for us. And uh, it's important for us that when this happens, we're leaning into God for the upgrade that He has for us. Now, my wife and myself have been through a very difficult period. So you go to Paris, everyone says, man, you're so blessed. I mean, praise God, can I sign up to be a church planner in Paris? (laughs) You know, everyone's kind of like, man, we think natural things and we think beauty, you know. But actually, the spirit realm is more real than what we see, right? And um, we just went through a real valley of uh, a dark valley um, over the last two years. Say January back um, two years, I had about 30 epileptic seizures in that time. I went in the ambulance nine times. Um, when I went on holiday to Marseille twice, I ended up in the emergency ward um, <coughs> where I live. In the Versailles area, I went six times there. And then on another holiday in the La Rochelle area, I went once there. So I, you know, have any of you heard of the Tour de France? That's basically a bicycle ride. I went to the, the Tour de Urgence. So it's the, <laughs> the tour of the paramedic ambulances <laughs> into hospitals in France. So it wasn't the tour I was looking for. I would have much preferred to watch the, the Tour de France, but I had the tour of... Uh, emergency wards, and I ended up spending the whole night in one, but there's a whole long story that I can't get into because of time, but uh, that was kind of what I was going through. Put COVID on top of that, and with COVID with us, we couldn't leave a house. You could only walk one kilometer from your house, and it was a good like five months of just sitting in a little apartment. No kind of like big gardens like you guys have got. It's an apartment, one kilometer walk and back. You know, those were the restrictions. Have that um, in this challenge. And then because of my seizures in, in April um, 2020, my wife developed PTSD. So think of having PTSD, locked at home, borders closed, no family can come visit you. And uh, yeah, so, and the thing with PTSD that brings healing is social interaction. It's been able to speak to people. It's been able to process what you're going. And now you can't speak to anyone. No one can come visit you. And that's kind of journeying through that. So that's really been a, a real challenging season. And those are trials that you don't want, right? Um, and, and what I'm saying here is not necessarily that God's the author of these trials, because God's good, right? And he paid for the price. But we do live in this fallen, broken world where there's many things that we just can't account for. They're mystery. But we know, and also I'm not saying that Sometimes there's trials that we get into just because we're stupid, right? We do stupid things, right? And we get us in this trial, and we can't blame God. We've got to blame ourselves. But the good thing is the grace of God is He will be with us in spite of our stupidity. So even if we put ourselves in this trial, there's still something He wants to do in this trial through us and work in us that we 
can get transformed and have an upgrade, you know. So I want to go to the scripture there in James 1. Um, it's uh, uh, James 1, verses 2, um, 2 to 4. Okay, where does it stop? I've got it more in my notes. Okay, okay. Um, <coughs> okay, so James says, Consider it a sheer gift. Say sheer gift. Okay, friends, when, you, when tests and challenges come from all sides, it's like that saying, it doesn't rain, it pours, right? That's kind of like these things don't seem to just come. They seem to come from all sides. And it says, you know that under pressure, your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colors, right? When we're under pressure, we squeeze the Colgate, that analogy of the toothpaste. And when we squeezed, we see what comes out, right? So under pressure and stuff is actually what's coming out of us, what's in our deep hearts. And he says, um, or heart, sorry, not the same American, I've got my English, British English. Um, <coughs> um, okay, uh, where are we now? Sorry, I've lost something. Okay, so don't try to get out of it prematurely. Who tries to get out of their trial prematurely? Uh, <laughs> don't get out of that trial prematurely. Let it do its work so that you may be mature and well-developed not deficient in any way. Um, okay. um, if, you, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. Um, he loves you. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look into, into some of this on the thoughts, but who of you guys can identify this with this stuff, right? What does James say? He says it's a sheer gift. A trial is a gift. Other versions say, consider it pure joy, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. The gift of trials is that there's a maturity, there's a perseverance, there's a development that God wants to work in us that we couldn't get it apart from the trial. Now, we all know that we want to get fit when we gym, we know we have to push through. In life, we all know those principles. But somehow when it comes to our spiritual life, that's very difficult, right? Um, go to the next slide, please. Um, um, we're going to see this. Okay, yeah, so that's me in the ambulance ward. So it was so, so busy, and it's obviously government, that can you see all those beds in the aisles? You just get left in the aisles for hours. And, uh, you know, doctors and... So it's like so overloaded that you get there and you're just waiting eight hours, five hours, just sitting there waiting for blood. It's like, it was pretty intense just sitting there the whole time. So that was some of my challenging moments. Go to the next slide, please. And then um, the next one. So, so if you look at this, um, um, if you look at this graph, is it going? There we go. Okay, it's up there. I can see. I don't have to look back. I see there's something up there that can help me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we look at that gra graph, and often we're, so picture that as our faith, right? That 45-degree axis. So often how we learn, we men and women of God, and we think, subconsciously, if we serve Jesus, our life needs to go from faith to faith, 
glory to glory, yeah? Now I'm talking about our circumstances, our lives, our business, our family, our everything. And if something crashes, we want to try hard to get it back on that graph, right? Because this is God. Faith to faith, glory to glory. I'm a man of faith, woman of faith. So the graph looks like that. But actually, in reality, what it looks like, can you go to the next slide? Huh? But then when that graph dips, we want to kind of get it back to the blue one, right? Anyone, anyone like that? I'm certainly, certainly like that. But this one guy said to me, we had, uh, after my wife just got the PTSD and she was like flat out. Um, the guy said, you know, he actually drew this, this graph for us. And he said his pastor did it for him years ago. He's a, a doctor now, psychologist, senior pastor. And he said, uh, his pastor drew this. And he said, often we think our walk with God is faith to faith. I've got to have this faith that's got to be up there. And there's a saying that we say, fake it till you make it. Anyone ever heard of that? Man, if I can't do it, I'm just going to fake it. I've got to get to that blue, that blue thing, you know, that blue graph, that 45 degree axis. Because when I'm doing these things, God is pleased, you know. I can't be like <gasps> overwhelmed because no, 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 God's not good. I need to do these things. I need to do these works. I need to get to that axis because then <sighs> I can breathe because God is then pleased with me. But he was saying, what happens if the goal of our faith is not faith to faith, glory to glory, but actually relationship with God, relationship with Jesus? So then it doesn't matter if I've got the dip or if I'm an up. What is the goal? The goal is to have relationship with God. Amen? And so when I'm in a time of trial, suffering, hardship, what is the goal? Relationship with God. And because often in our Western society and how things are set up is things are just supposed to go good. The government must come through or pension must come through or if COVID happens, there must be stimulus. You know, it's like, it's like kind of all these things are, things must go well. There must be help, you know. But actually, if you look at Paul, I mean, Paul was put in prison. Where would Paul prefer to be? On the streets preaching the gospel. Where did God allow him to be often a lot of times? In the prison. And he had to come to his place to say that I'm most effective here because I'm in prison, you know, writing Ephesians, reading those letters from a guy penning this stuff in prison. Joseph, in jail. Is that Joseph? Yeah. And uh, so I just had a blouse. Like, <laughs> um, in jail, because there was preparation for his purpose. And at the end, he realized, man, God actually did, did took me through this was he was actually in it and these are things we the dips we don't like to hear right but these dips are the things that actually if it's in our expectation and perspective that God is going to put us that life is going to put us through trials and challenges we can actually look and say you know these things are going to happen in life but how am I going to meet Jesus in this challenge of life because subconsciously, I'm talking, I'm talking to myself because I've been through this journey. Subconsciously, 
if I'm sick, like my seizures, I'm praying, oh, Lord, I had these seizures, I should be healed. But this journey goes on for like two years, and it's not stopping. But along every, part, every section, God is doing a deeper work internally. He's not taking this thing away. It's a broken, fallen world. But he's, he's doing something in, in turn in my character because I'm pressing into him and getting help from him. And we're going to see some of those, those thoughts. But I want to read a, a secular study for you. Um, it's a guy by the name of Bruce Feeler. And he wrote a book called Life in Transitions, Mastering Change at Any Age. That's the name of the book. And in his study and research, he studied American population. It's nice to be able to do a, a book for the average American, you know, because often you say the average American put you in South Africa or France. So it's actually good to say it, yeah. So, <clears throat> so he says um, he basically measured a person's life and what were the transitions and things that happened. So kind of a full life of American people. Studied, obviously, thousands of people. And he goes on to identify that there are 52 disruptions, what he calls disruptions, or an unsettling life event that happens in a full life of every person. So these 52 events fall into categories such as love, identity, beliefs, work, and body. His research also found that we experience one of these disruptions every 12 to 18 months for our entire life. For example... The average American will move 11.7 times during their life, so house moves, um, will hold 13 jobs, and will be in thir three accidents, probably like car wrecks or something. That's a lot of transition, right? So a secular research says this, and then he goes on and he calls something life quakes, you know, like earthquakes, but a life quake. And a life quake is defined as a fundamental shift in the meaning or purpose of life, like switching careers, a major health crisis, or a death of a spouse or a child. Um, so probably like you're an engineer and then you become a, a whatever. You know, it's completely, totally um, different engineer to doctor or something, you know, like kind of total career shifts, not just getting a new job in the same, in the same trade. And he says the African, uh, average American expresses, uh, sorry, experiences three to five of them, life quakes in a lifetime. The typical life quake takes five years to overcome. So say you have three, that's 15 years. Of your life, three, three, to f three to five years, okay, to overcome. So if you live a, a life till 70, 80, whatever, you're going to generally have had about three to five of these life quakes. And as you live out this five years to overcome, his research shows that there's three different stages you go through. The first stage is the long goodbye. So it's saying goodbye to whatever that, that health condition or whatever that is or the dying of the, of the of close member that they're not there anymore. And it's kind of going through this process of having to say goodbye and detaching and realizing this thing's actually gone from your life. 
This, the next stage, he says, it's a messy middle because it's just like trying to figure this out. It's messy. And then the last stage is a new beginning, starting to walk out that new beginning of this new purpose. Now, this is secular research, right? So this happens to every single person in this world, believer or non-believer, statistically. So the issue we've got to ask ourselves is we have to have the right expectation that trials and hard things are going to happen in our lives. And if we have right expectations, then when it comes, it's not like, oh, my whole, whole life's falling apart. Unfortunately, this is part of life in this world we face. And we have this new Jerusalem, the glorifying coming of Christ. That's our living hope. But while we're in this world, we're going to have to have the expectations that this is common to all man. And that's why James says, when this particular, that's not me, when this particular season happens, consider it joy. Because there's an upgrade waiting for us. So I'm going to share, when we get in this challenge, to what I experience walking through our challenge, is that there's four things that really, when I reflected on it, really happened in this that are treasures that are received from this season. And the first, um, oh yeah, so, so when we have the right perspective, <clears throat> if you look above there, um, and expectations that this is real, our question goes less from, why God? Why God is this happening to me? Anyone have that? Lord, why God? And I'm just so depressed. And I'm so, how can you let this happen to me, Lord? Anyone ask those questions? Why God? Why God? So we've seen now, James, life, it happens. So when it happens, we don't ask, why God? And with that growth, rather, where are you, God? And what do you want to do through this? And the journey of walking this out, persevering, not quitting, we're going to see God is going to reveal where he is. We're going to find Jesus, what Jesus is saying, and then... Every step of the way is going to tell us what to do. Because God wants to sanctify us and transform us into His image. Amen. And when we are under pressure, that's where our character and our understanding of the goodness of God. When we say good, God is good, we know that theologically. But the goodness of God is really, really found when I'm deep in a trial and I choose Him to be good and I see His goodness that the goodness of God is not just a doctrinal, theological thing, but it's actually an experiential thing, right? God is good when it's not going good. God works all things together for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Okay? God works all things to the good. Okay, when Paul says that, it's probably because it's not going good, right? Okay? So we can quote that in a, on the mountaintops and be happy, but that's actually a scripture that's reserved for us in the valley. <laughs> and although I can't see, he is going to do this because this is his nature, his character. It's good that this is not my destiny. It's just a season. It's just a valley with the clouds that are covering it. That's what it is. Amen. Right perspectives. Okay, so trials gift us. The next one, trials gift us um, <clears throat> with clarity of purpose and vision in our lives. Now, God has given each single one of us a unique gift. 
But the world often boxes us that this is what you need to be. This is success. But the blessing of a trial is those things that are on us that we've got on us for people pleasing, to perform. We get to actually let go of those things and see the purposes of God because the purposes of God are not out there, guys. Do you know where the purposes of God are? Within us. We come with the purposes of God. We walk with God and discover our purpose. And unfortunately, the discovery is not always sometimes nice. You don't see anything in nature going to a school to figure out. The bird comes with flight already in it. How does it get to learn what's already in it? How does the bird get to learn? The mommy <laughs> kicks him out of the nest. <laughs> That's school. And it's the same thing for us. We get to see and experience the purposes of God. And I'll show you that God's done a, a redemptive, even in, in us, that you just, if we, if, if we press into God in these trials, we get to discover the purpose of God, who we are, and it makes us more powerful and more dangerous for the enemy, right? Uncomfort and hardship. We know that after we go to the gym, we, we stiff, you know, we've torn our muscles. Same principle. Our purposes of God get often revealed when, bam, you know, we choose him in that, in that valley. So, um, and then also when we get in this, in this uh, valley and challenges, we get more and more as we come out of it to see the, the vision that God has for us. The, um, the scripture, yeah, that's, that, uh, um, can you go to the next um, slide, please? Um, the, the, the scripture is, I love the scripture in Proverbs 29, verse 18. So what time do I have to finish? Esther? 11, okay, cool. Sorry, I didn't ask that one. That's always an important one. Um, okay, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is one who keeps the law. What helped us hold on in the midst of the ambulances, the PTSD, God had given us a vision to see the people of Paris and France come to know Jesus. And everything the enemy was trying to do and exploit within the season was to drive us out and quit and go home. But there was a vision from God that was greater than my circumstances. And it's, it's the, the vision of God, what He's put in our lives, that actually allows us to keep on going. We quit often because we've got no vision for our lives. We just sit, oh, I'm just existing. I grew up in a family where I said, um, I said to my dad, Dad, so, so what's your vision? He says, oh, I've got no vision, you know. Anyone ever get raised like that? No, just, go, oh, just going through life, whatever happens. I mean, he moved us all over the country because he just didn't want us to lose our medical aid, you know. So vision didn't drive him. His life was driven that I had to move because I was going to 
get retrenched or lose my job. So I took another one in another state. So I didn't lose my, my medical aid with the company. It wasn't like, I've got a vision. My family's settled. Yeah, we need to. So one of the things when we moved from South Africa, we had a good church that we are leading. But the vision of God in our lives was greater than the comfort or the, of what we had in our lives, you know. And then when we went through the season in Paris, it was to walk through this. And as we've walked through this, is this your laptop? That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, my phone's off, man. <laughs> um, so so the, 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 the purposes and the vision of what God had for us helped us to endure. You know, like Nehemiah, he came under so much opposition. But he says, no, I'm not going to meet with you. I'm doing a good work. God's work has been done. And often the, the, the enemy wants to exploit these moments to really shift us in what God has for us. But if, if we endure, if we hold on, we win. And, um, and this is what we, I was, you know, just experiencing. For me, just a testimony on this is every time I started going into the, into the ambulance, um, you know, seizures and that would really affect my emotions. I like often I just get afterwards, I just cry and feel so, even as an adult, you know, it's like, yeah, how could that happen? You know, Lord, why did this happen? And I, and I was just asking that. And one of my, my, my guy actually, he actually married us. He went through fibromyalgia for like 20 years and he just was continuously moaning at God and saying, Lord, why? And uh, and then somewhere along the journey, I think it was maybe at the 15-year mark, um, you know, someone just shared with him and one of his mentors and said, look, if you've got an hour of life, worship God. Because he was in bed the whole time. And one of the things when we were praying together, he said, Ryan, you know, God wants, you, God wants that you to master that epilepsy, that it doesn't control your emotions. And, um, and the journey that, that I went on was a journey to say, I can get in the ambulance, go to the emergency ward, get out and praise God and preach the gospel that this is not my master. This doesn't master my emotions. And that's what we see in Paul. That's what we see in the Bible. They got up and they kept on going and they kept on preaching. And that's true biblical Christianity. And that's the thing, like James says, don't quit. You know, don't, what did he say? Um, uh, escape earlier. Let me see that exact word. He says, yeah, don't get out of anything prematurely because God is wanting to do something. You're going through this thing, but God wants to do something in this thing. And when we quit prematurely, we miss that character development, that understanding God and, and, and what is God. And just this journey. If I look, if God healed me after six months and the season stopped, I would never have been the person internally that I am today if it was finished in six months or three months. And I see how strategically God just systematically allowed more to be built into me because I had to surrender more. I had to keep on surrendering. I, we planted a church there. Was our, our heart was to reach the the French, and, and it really boomed, reaching nations, and, and, God, and we had to go on a bit of a, heart, a, a health sabbatical, 
And God just started connecting me with the French people. Started learning French more. Um, our direct community in the struggle was the lost French people. There's only 1.2% evangelical Christians in France. The Protestant Reformation skipped France, so they haven't rejected the gospel. They just haven't heard it. But it was in this hard time that there was, I, I started meeting paramedics, nurses, porters, doctors. I started seeing parts of Paris that went on my presentation or strategy <laughs> to meet, right? Uh, but in this process, a community and a city started serving us. We weren't the strong people coming and preaching. We were the weak people. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And it's like, Lord, you know, this is not on my, this is not how it's supposed to be working out, you know? I'm supposed to come in and preach the gospel. People get saved, see the power of God. But what do they see? The suffering, someone's suffering, but worshiping Christ in the midst of the suffering. And I preached a message at one of the French churches um, in the um, northern part of Paris, and I shared um, something similar. And they, the, the one lady emailed me and said like, it felt like her, her heart was delivered. And just an amazing testimony she wrote. And I shared it to some of my French unbeliever friends because I wanted them to get like understanding of a, a testimony, you know, because uh, they never heard. I mean, the first time they heard the gospel was through me, you know, and my wife. So he texts me back, and <clears throat> this was a guy that helped clean up my vomit and picked me up at the emergency ward at 10.30 in the evening. Um, and his words to me were that testimony um, is amazing and true. He said, you and Marita incarnate that testimony. He says, you're full of love, you're strong, you're an uncle to my son, and you're like a brother and sister to me and my wife. That was his interpretation of the season. My interpretation was, Lord, yeah, I'm just trusting you. I've never had to trust you that somehow this weakness of getting stretched out in, in the stretchers and into ambulances is somehow going to work for your glory. And it's nothing on me. And to hear that testimony was just, wow. People are seeing Christ made perfect in the trial, in people. And often God wants us in the trial to trust Him that he's with us and he's doing something that we could not do with our neighbor. And that's the thing, not to quit because people are watching. And actually, as I'm speaking to you guys here, I bet with you guys that this is something that you're going through or gone through. But often what we do is we, we moan, we quit. But actually, there's real transformation for our city lying in how we suffer well. And don't despise that because we think there's this facade that we have to do to be strong. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. When we're broken, vulnerable, free from shame, dependent on God, his kingdom comes. There's two things where they say the kingdom of heaven comes. It's through humility and it's through persecution or standing on God. It's righteous truth.
That's when the kingdom comes in those things. Heaven actually invades earth when we stand for God, for his principles, in love, and when we're dependent on him. That's actually when. But, but the world tells us if we're strong, mature, that's when people are going to respect us. But it's actually the opposite way. When we're humble and, and vulnerable, if we're free from shame in our lives, it's easy to be humble. Often we hide and we protect and we put this facade because deep down inside we feel shameful and we're scared if someone really sees the real us. And what that actually does is it, 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 it blocks out a part of God for really coming in. And trials is really a place where we become weak and God can become strong. Okay, I need to get going. Okay, okay. Um, so, so basically what happened with us is that there was this, in this trial, there wasn't any God. There was like a, I've got no experience for this, but it's, it's true, I know. All the ladies will say, the moms will say yes. So there's this, there's this birthing that happens, um, and there's pain in the birthing. But when the baby comes out, the baby is much greater than the pain. And God puts this... this, this um, um, design in a, in a lady that she forgets the pain when she's got the baby. Because if she remembered the pain, she wouldn't have another baby. <laughs> and, and it's the same thing when God, when the child of purpose and destiny and, and vision gets birth, that is so much greater than the trauma of the season. And that's what we are seeing, God birthing a baby in the trial of these French people and our hearts. It was like we became, we were missionaries, but this process took us from missionaries to this place being home. Because the people of the land came around us and served us and became friends and became family. Just like that guy says, you are like an uncle. You are like our brother and sister. I mean, God did something that we couldn't do apart from that. There was a baby being birthed. I don't know if they do it here in... Um, the cattle yeah in America, but in, in South Africa, I don't know if we're just behind in technology. But they basically put a cast iron and they heat it. And then at the back, they like brand the, like put like into the, um, into the cow. And then you know the farmer's brand. Like farmer's, I don't know if you guys know that or if that's an old technique. I don't even know if they still do it. But so, so the whole thing is that the, the Lord came and he branded the city and nation in our heart because he gave us his heart for these people. But it came through the valley. It came through choosing. It came through saying, I'm not going to be intimidated. We're going to keep on taking one step at a time. And, uh, and God did something and he started putting these puzzle pieces. He worked it for his glory and he's continuing to do that. So... The same thing God wants to do in our lives, but if we quit, we can't do it. We're just going to go around that mountain again. We've we got to go through it. Um, so the next one is trials. Um, uh, the, the trials gifts us um, with transformation. And that's the thing that I said, um, Romans 12, if you, uh, we all know this one very well. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to approve um, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. And I, you know, the, the thing is, is I, I spoke about it earlier, is that, is that we have lots of revelation. So there's a difference between revelation and transformation. Revelation is God reveals something to me. Like if I read the word, wow, anyone ever had that? Like the Holy Spirit just revealed something, you, you get it. But actually, when we live it out and experience it, because often what we, in our kind of Greek thinking that we, that we've like raised in our academia, we, when we get to know, have knowledge for something and we write a test, we know it. But Hebrew thinking was actually, you get taught something and then you do it. And only once you've done it, you actually know it. So it's like farming. We can, agriculture, it's actually when you've done that and you've been through the bad seasons, the good seasons, you're actually starting to know farming. And it's the same thing that God can speak to us through revelation or through understanding, but we only really know it. And this transformation comes when we live it out, right? Um, it's that, that's where wisdom comes in. I think the challenge with the youth today, if they've got access to so much information that you think you know it because Google's told it to you. But in my days, when I was growing up, the people that were older, you trusted them for wisdom because they had read the books, gone through the things, experimented, and they were wise. Nowadays, the kids are wiser because they, in their eyes, because they know more information. You know, they're like sponges, and they Google, and they get all these things, but they don't know how to apply it, so they never attain uh, wisdom yeah, and, and, and transformation. So... Transformation comes through application, and application over a long time. And the, and the gift of the trial is that we get to apply the revelation. And as we apply the revelation, it becomes transformation that then our minds get renewed to the purposes of God, to who He is, to how He works, that we can actually start making decisions and do things out of, because this is the nature and character of God. Because I don't know it, yeah, but God has been faithful on the journey because I haven't quitted. I've stayed in the race and seen Him work for my glory so I could come out on the other side. Make sense? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, you know, the gifts, of the, the gifts of the Spirit are free. Uh, praying for the sick, you know, just words of knowledge, um, prophecy, but the fruits of the Spirit are not for free. <laughs> Those are decisions to step out and make that decision every day. Patience doesn't come, man. Eh? <laughs> you know, long-suffering um, doesn't come, right? <laughs> it doesn't like just, I've got it, you know. Long-suffering is to make decisions to keep on going when the suffering is long, right? Um, and uh, um, self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, right? That doesn't just come. It's not just like lay hands on you in Jesus' name, you know? Self-control, you walk away. No, self-control is it's coming. When you have to exercise the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is because 
you want to blow up, you know. You just want to get out of it and you have to say, no, in him, Jesus is Lord. How would Jesus do this? Self-control. Says, you know, I love the way he says, blessed are the meek, you know, for they will inherit the earth. Why? Because meek is strength under control. It's like this wild horse has got so much power, but a racehorse has got like a bit and it's got a purpose and its power is controlled. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit does in our lives when we get in these situations and we choose um, to do that. And we see it, Peter, Peter, the enemy asked um, Jesus, he went to, um, uh, Jesus prayed, said, um, said to Peter, Peter, then his master to sift you like wheat. But I pray that you will overcome. So before Pentecost came and Peter preached, he had the sifting, right? And the anointing and the things are free, but there's a sifting that goes through, that we go through in our lives often. God's anointing could come at any time, but there's a sifting and a challenge that we go through that actually give, builds the character in us so that we can actually use the anointing effectively. Jesus, before he moved in power, he went through his wilderness, right? He had the identity of God, that this is our son whom I love and I'm well pleased. But then he went through a wilderness where he had to say, this is what the word of God says. And he had to speak the word to the enemy. He had to speak the word to the lies. But the promise out of every trial or wilderness is power, is anointing. Just like we see in Peter, just like we see in Jesus. Peter was sifted. God used him for Pentecost. Jesus went to the wilderness. He came out in power. And the reality is in our lives, we're all going to go through trials. But the promise is power. And that's why we hold on. Because God wants to use us to transform the city. Amen. He wants us to transform our family. But most of all, He wants to transform us into His image and to know Him better. Amen. Okay, the last one, the, the, the third one. Okay, I'm going to make it. Um, okay, third one. Trials uh, gift us with community. Okay, John 15, verse 12 to 14 says, This is my command, um, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, greater love is no man than this, that a person will lay down his life for friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And uh, community gives us, I mean, trials give us the ability to press into community. Because who of you guys, when you've gone through a trial, cannot hear the voice of God? Like, feel like God's not speaking. How do I hear from Him? I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I've got vertigo. Anyone felt that? And that's the reality. When we're in the darkness, we can't see, right? So when we're in this, 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 this valley, um, you know, He's got this table before us in the presence of the enemy. And you know what this table very, very often is? It's people. And I'm a product today of walking through this, this valley because I had people in my life that helped me not to quit. There's missionaries in Paris, a couple that's been in Paris for 34 years. We were connecting with them on Zoom. We were meeting with them. And they have stuck through the trials. And they could speak wisdom into our lives that we could just keep on going. Because there were a lot of people that were our age or younger that saying, quit, 
because they saw the pain we were going through and they wanted to rescue you from the pain. But them in the 60s were saying, this is your finest hour. Don't give up. Don't give up. Then we had another couple that live in Nashville, also in their 60s. They helped um, one of the founders of every nation. They're with us step by step, helping us. Like he said in the first meeting with my wife, he says, you've fallen into a ditch that you can't get out of. But what the Lord's doing is he's bringing a ladder. And you're going to get out of that pit one step at a time. And one thing you're going to start learning is life skills. Because just like I said earlier, this is common to all persons. I can't tell you how many from that thing, how many people, ladies, and that you'd realize, and people that my wife heard that suffer with PTSD, that suffer with anxiety, that have gone through it or are still going through it. Why? Because life becomes real because you, think, you realize that this is actually normal to a lot of people. And this is something that really breaks a lot of people. But as you're walking through it, God is actually helping you um, with people. Like, like I, we had this couple that was helping us just develop these life skills to walk through this and, and press into God. And that we're in this broken and fallen world that's not yet fully redeemed. But God has skills for us. He has um, life skill muscles that he wants to develop in us. That this is not our master, but Christ is our master and we're going to work, walk through this. And that uh, the PTSD and the traumas of what you've experienced will never leave you. But they're going to have the right place in the house. Because Jesus is going to have center stage. And this is just on the shelf. That is still there and shouts every now and again. But you know you've developed the skills in how to speak to it. And that that thing is your testimony. And you know how to walk through it so you can uh, give wisdom to someone in how to take their steps and, and that they, you are hope for them. Amen. Amen. Like Jesus says, you guys being a family, spiritual family, is so important for us to be transformed and live out the purposes of life. That this is attractive to the city because this is a place where there's healing. And where there's transformation. Amen. Um, so I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for, for God. Um, you know, just putting people in our lives that loved us, that stuck with us, that encouraged us. Even, even Pastor JJ and myself, we used to have calls and just bit by bit seeing what God's doing, you know, hearing his story. And it was just really, a, it's been such a journey to have brothers and you know, brothers and sisters in our lives. I always say you you got to build up, get mentors that can speak into your life, you know. Um, sideways, have brothers or sisters in the Lord that are encouraging you. And downwards where you have to make disciples and, and, and connect with people because our growth comes when we, our biggest growth comes when we're actually looking after people. <laughs> You know, I got into ministry quickly. I got saved. My friend said, you need to get off the seats onto the streets. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you're comfortable in a church, it's the wrong place. And he just said these things to me. So all I knew was, hey, Christianity means going out and being uncomfortable because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I got saved at about 19, 20. Um, and I think that's the, the thing is like I realized our, 
I had so many victory of those sins that many of us have, you know, those, uh, those naughty sins, especially when you're single and that kind of thing. But I realized that I was sitting with a bunch of college students and they were saying, I fell today, I fell today, I fell today. And I was like, yeah, I also fell today, you know. And so when we're having these confessions, I was confessing the same thing with them, but I was the campus minister. So I thought someone has to get victory over this thing. <laughs> so to be honest, my victory over that sin came because there were five guys every week confessing that sin, and I was too. And that's the thing. When we take responsibility for people, all of a sudden we realize, I need to get a drive, you know. <laughs> and, that's, and that's unfortunately what a lot of us don't do. We're so self-centered and not people-centered that we never actually really get our breakthrough because we're not taking responsibility for people, you know. So, and the last one is trials gift us to experience the glory of God. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, this is after his resurrection, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And you get to see that who is ultimate boss. The leader says and says, enough is enough. This is over. You've developed character because you haven't quit. You've learned stuff. And you look back and you say, man. The trauma of the season is like the babies come and you just glorify God and you thank Him. And although that life quake was terrible, the glory of God that was produced in that was greater. And you just glorify God and you say, man, I would go through that again if it meant that I could get what I got. And that is the glory of God because God's magnificence, the glory of God is the is the magnificence of who God is. And going through our trials successfully, or going through our trial and sticking and not quitting, we get to experience the glory of God. And today, you guys are listening to me, getting to experience nothing that I did, but the glory of God that was made manifest. And God wants us to all be these living testimonies of the glory of God developed in our lives. But the glory of God is not that I'm I know all the Bible and I can do this. And the glory of God is that you do life, the ups and downs with Jesus always being the center. And when he does something that we can't do because we've surrendered to him and he's done the work, he gets glorified. And we glorify you on a Sunday morning and say, Lord, I glorify you. I glorify you. I glorify you. And we sing praises. But this, what I shared today, is we're really God gets the glory, you know, in the game, in the heat of the matter, you know, on the oil rig, you know, just hitting it out where the drilling and all that drilling that happens in our lives and whatever, and we stick. We look back and say, wow, God really got the glory for this season. And just to, um, <clears throat> so we, we handed over our first church plant and my wife and myself are starting a second one where God really birthed a deep burden to focus on reaching French people purely and in the French language. And when God spoke about the area, and um, uh, he gave me the, the scripture, um, Colossians 1.27, where it speaks about Paul. Uh, Paul speaks the, about the, um, the Gentiles, that it says, the, the mystery being hidden for generations, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if you, uh, and if you look at the... Um, like the French history, the, the Catholics beheaded and killed the French Protestants. So um, John Calvin 
where he fled to Geneva because he was a refugee. And these refugees in that time fled to all the northern European countries. And, and um, the Dutch came to the Cape and they brought French Huguenots, French Protestants, with them who worked the wine, the farms. So the wine in the Cape originated from French Protestants. So the, the French, um, so the Protestantism, whatever, didn't have a, a dent in, um, in the French culture. And then 1905, they, they brought a law that protected um, French society and they made it a secular state where they said, separate them between um, um, church and state, but it was to protect people from the abuse of the Catholic Church because they were very abusive in, in France. So, um, <coughs> so basically, um, you know, they have never really heard the gospel. So God speaking to me about this, that you know, Christ in them is the hope of glory for France. And God started speaking to us about Versailles. And if you look on the chateau, on the one side, it says all the glory to France. Um, and it was basically Louis XIV called himself the sun god. He was just a real full of mythology and everything there. But God started speaking to us about Versailles. And then I was, as I was reading, I looked at verse 24, which is on the other side of my Bible. And it said, Paul speaks about his suffering, you know, for the church. And he became a minister. And um, I went to the, the, the hospital of Versailles six times and went in the ambulance. And was like, <laughs> it just hit me that, that God is so redemptive, you know, yeah, that... Uh, that the place he's calling us to next was the place that I had to say, yes, God, I will stay. Yes, God, this won't master me, you know. Yes, God, there's another side. There's, there, there, this will end, you know. Um, and uh, the very place that God ended up calling us, you know, in this next season. So God's a redeemer, right? Yeah. Nothing we're going through, he won't use it for his glory. And um, so, so that was really powerful and you know, if we embrace the right perspectives um, and we reframe our trial in our thinking and we trust God that He's going to work it for His glory, we're going to see amazing things. But if we don't quit, that we say that the people who win are those who don't quit. And that's the thing. Don't quit. Get someone around you. Get into community. Get encouragement. Um, Hebrews 3 says, as long as it's called today, encourage one another. So that sin's deceitfulness. Because the enemy wants to lie and get you. No, we need to encourage one another. Encourage means to give courage. Because right now you're in a better place, you give courage. And, um, and that's what community is for. So to end off, when you get in your tower, remember you're in your finest hour. And um, that um, we need to focus on where is he and what is he doing? That's our question to God. Lord, I know this is common to all men. When I'm in it, consider it pure joy. So, the last, th just to recap on the points, that trials gift us with clarity of purpose and vision in our lives. Trials gift us with transformation. We go from revelation to transformation. Trials gift us with community. And trials gift us to experience the glory of God. Amen. Let's not quit the trial. Let's get the promotion from the trial. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we all suffer trials and things from many kinds. But Lord, I thank you, Father, that you, that you have upgrades for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can just tear away these, 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 these just veils of, 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 um, of just lies in a sense that if I serve God, it must go well. In, in, the, in the natural, Father. I must have possessions. I must have all these things. But Lord, there's just so much that we miss of you when we think like that, Father. Thank you, Lord, that our, that our thinking can be, Lord, that we just want to serve you no matter what it takes, Lord. We want to be with you in our hardest time. We want to be with you in our best time because Jesus, you are Lord. You are our best friend. You are our way maker. You are our um, model, and you just suffered the ultimate death, the ultimate humiliation on the cross. But through that, you kept on honoring your Father, Lord. And you came out, you had the power of the resurrection, Lord. And thank you that your word says that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead also lives in us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can not be defined by our circumstances, but be defined that the resurrected power of Jesus is in us. Thank you, Lord. We can always pray for the breakthrough, Father. But even if the breakthrough doesn't come instantly, Lord, we can press into the way maker and walk with him, journey with him. Thank you, Lord, that we can live that way, Father. I thank you for this church, Lord. I pray for this church, that this church will be a light in the city, Father God, because they press into Jesus. They live and glorify Jesus no matter what their circumstances are, Father. Thank you for a new day, Lord. We declare a new day. I pray, every single person, yeah, Lord, that they would get to know you no matter what the circumstances of their life. They will praise you no matter what the circumstances of their lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Greater is you that is in us than anything in the world, any circumstances because you've overcome it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you that we can be your children, Father God. Thank you that, that you with us in the storm, you with us in the promised land, you with us in every place, Father. We just want to set our eyes on you, Jesus, and walk with you. The ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate goal in our lives is to walk with you, Jesus. Just like Moses said, he doesn't want to go in the promised land if you're not with him, Lord. We don't want to go into any season without you there. Help us to hear what you're saying, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for an awesome day together, Lord. An awesome day in Jesus' name. Amen.